0: Good morning. My name is Chris McDaniel. I'm the senior pastor here at Trinity Anglican in Atlanta, Georgia, and we're glad to have you with us today, uh, worshiping virtually all over our city, and maybe some of you are coming from further away than just Atlanta. We're glad to have you here. Uh, We oftentimes say here at Trinity that the church is bigger than brick and mortar, than a building or four walls, and that's good news because today all our buildings are sitting empty, uh, and we're all probably at home. And So we get to be the church together. Uh, We get to remember the church is not a building. Uh, The church is us, it's the family of God. And so wherever you are uh, together, we make up the church today. And I'm glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us. I wanna share just a couple of announcements before we get into our sermon, which is from Romans eight today. But first I just wanna say, we're uh, radically overhauling our website. So visit atltrinity.org and you're gonna see a newly designed website Um, where we're putting all the kind of main priorities of our ministry model right now. We've pivoted so much of what we're doing to respond to this new reality, this new moment that we're in um, through this coronavirus pandemic. And our website reflects, I think, the ways that we're going to serve you during this time. And I just want to share a couple of those before we get into the sermon. Number one, we're going to be creating content like this every Sunday uh, where you can worship And you can listen to the word and we can be together in a space of worship. Uh, In addition to Sundays, uh, and there's going to be a lot happening on Sundays, kids, curriculums, and different things coming your way to help resource those of you who have children in your home and all of us here in worship. Uh, We're going to be communicating on Wednesdays. And Wednesday is going to be another touch point from us as pastors with some articles, things we want you to read or think about. Um, We want to stay connected with you. And we're going to do that on Sundays and Wednesdays. In addition to that, Monday through Friday, uh, we've launched a new wrinkle to our podcasting reality. We're going to be engaging in a very simple reflection each week, uh, a touch point, if you will, uh, where we read one of our pastors will read a scripture, and then we'll give a short reflection. Uh, We just want to be uh, giving you as many touch points as we possibly can. Speaking of touch points, we're launching neighborhood groups this week, a virtual platform through digital media, gathering people together using technology, Go to our website, atltrinity.org, and you'll find out how to join a community near you to stay in touch right now during this time of upheaval. In addition to that, we're going to be creating care and connection points where we as your pastors and leaders can connect with you to serve you. So visit our website. We'll be able to um, connect with you and give you opportunities to love and serve Atlanta during this strange time. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 8. We're going to read and then pray and try to think some deep thoughts together. Romans 8, 12. Paul says, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then we'll try to sit with this passage together. Father, we ask you now for the grace of God to be still. Lord, we're all facing realities right now that are very uncomfortable in different ways. God, we're all facing grief and loss and wondering what's going to happen next. God, some of us in this family have already lost people that we love. We ask for your grace, God, your grace to be present and your grace to trust you. Lord, we also ask you for the help that we need to sit here uh, and to think deep and true thoughts about you, about your work, and about us. And Lord, I pray that we would choose to trust you in new ways, in real ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my rhythm here in my sermons is to march through and uh, kind of mark our way through a passage, and we're going to do that same thing here Um, and so we're just going to walk through, I've got four major things I want to say to you today as I reflect on this passage and we'll just walk through it together. Okay. Number one, Paul is wanting to get us to see that we are all debtors. It's our nature to, to owe, but he says we're debtors to the spirit, not the flesh. And I think that there's something really important here because Paul is actually not contrasting the Holy Spirit with the devil. He's contrasting the Holy Spirit with our fallen nature, our vulnerable nature, And I think there's an important reason for that, and and I hope that'll become clear to you as we walk through this passage. It's tempting to believe that we owe our flesh, uh, mainly because the flesh is always calling out to us. If you think about your wants, your needs, your cravings, your desires, probably right now those uh, wants, needs, cravings, and desires are shouting at you rather loudly. They're telling you what you need to protect yourself or to um, get through this season. And sometimes... That craving, desire, shouting at us does not actually elicit really calm, peaceful feelings and thoughts. And a lot of us probably have experienced in the last number of days, uh, anxiety levels going up for us, not down. Uh, Some of you may have thought, well, if I have a little extra time at home, maybe I'll feel peaceful. And yet uncertainty and ambiguity cause our flesh to actually churn up and stir up. And a lot of us are experiencing that. One of the ways that I've been imagining the the kind of feeling of the flesh uh, in the last number of days is a a cattle driver uh, walking with an electric cattle prod to zap cows to get them moving. And my flesh actually sometimes feels like a cattle prod uh, zapping me or compelling me, pushing me. Uh, The flesh has a kind of frantic air about it rather than a grace-filled air. And a lot of us right now are feeling like we've been driven and are currently being driven by our flesh. There's a sense of frantic pushing or driving that's happening. And so I just want to ask you this question here at the beginning. Uh, Where are you currently being compelled by your flesh? Where are your wants, uh, needs, desires, fears, cravings? Where are these things pushing you and driving you? I think before the Lord can meet us and actually begin to work restoration in us, we have to actually become aware of where we're being made vulnerable. So it would be good for us to reflect for just a moment. Where where am I vulnerable? Where am I being pushed? And that leads me to the second thing that I want to say to you that I think is important for us to reflect on to understand the nature of what it feels like to be pushed versus some other thing the Holy Spirit would do. And that's this, the second movement. We need to learn to recognize the difference between the work of the spirit and the work of the flesh, and to help us do that, I think Paul teases out two different images that we're going to sit with. So there are two little subpoints under this second main heading. The first one's this: the Holy Spirit's nature is to prompt and invite, whereas the spirit, uh, the flesh's nature is to push and compel and coerce. This is a very important distinction for us to make because it actually helps us learn to recognize the difference between the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of our flesh. Um, Paul tells us here that the Holy Spirit leads and invites. The Holy Spirit entreats, uh, welcomes us to step out, whereas the flesh is always driving and pushing. So think about that cattle prod. That's what the flesh does. The flesh is craving your uh, allegiance right now, whereas the Holy Spirit is easier to ignore. And y'all, this is really important for us to recognize. Uh, the Holy Spirit does not oftentimes kick our doors down. The Holy Spirit is not gonna shout you down in the midst of all the static and the fullness and the busyness and the media bombardment that you might be in. The Holy Spirit's actually somewhat easy to ignore. Uh, the Irish referred to the Holy Spirit as a, a wild goose or the shy person of the Trinity, meaning that we have to actually create space if we are going to feel or respond to or even sense what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so if the Holy Spirit is, is leading and inviting rather than pushing and compelling, uh, we have to actually think about the difference because one of those constitutes a kind of dignifying response, and the other one actually um, takes away a dignifying response it's a compulsive response and that leads us to the second um, sub point here under under this one um, to help us understand the difference between the the spirit and the flesh the holy spirit calls you child the flesh calls you slave so the holy spirit calls us children the flesh calls us slaves The Holy Spirit reminds us that we belong to God. The Holy Spirit reminds you and me, those of us who belong to him, who are Christian, that we are children in his house. And the flesh actually pushes us toward the compulsion that results from slavery. And so Paul here is trying to tease out the nature of the life of the Spirit. He's trying to get us to see that slaves do not possess dignity and volition. Slaves are compelled to act in certain ways Uh, Their power, um, the the sense of being able to be free to move about is taken from a slave, whereas a child um, is, is free. A child has a sense of volitional responsibility. And Paul's words here remind us of the distinction between the spirit and the flesh. He says this, we didn't receive a spirit of slavery that would push us back into regressive places of fear. And yet this is a very real threat for all of us at this time. Uh, The threat is real. And I think Paul's addressing something that's actually really close to where you and me, where we're living right now. Where are we being tempted to revert back to places of fear? And in my mind, I think of the Egyptian uh, bondage um, and the Jews being liberated from Egyptian bondage, what we see in the the book of uh, Exodus. And if you know that story, you know that it wasn't long before the Jews were like, man, you know, Egypt wasn't so bad. At least we knew where we were going to sleep. At least we knew what we were going to eat. Uh, The predictability of slavery is um, a kind of perverse comfort. And for many of us, the slavery of our own lives, the places where we've been in bondage to our flesh, our wants, our needs, our cravings, our desires, um, as bad as those things were at times, we, we found some comfort there. And as we try to live as free people, it's very important to recognize that the Holy Spirit calls you into places of freedom, which means you have to take responsibility for your life under his guidance. Whereas slavery actually takes your freedom away and gives you a sense of predictability, even if that predictability is not good. What we find sometimes in seasons of uncertainty is that we'll crave predictability, even if the predictability itself is not a healthy or a good thing. Just like the Israelites were thinking about going back to Egypt, there are places where people like us are thinking about going back into places of bondage rather than to continue to look and live out as free men and women. So consider that phrasing, Paul says, don't fall back into fear. Where are you being tempted currently to lose ground? Where is there a threat here uh, to, to revert back into fear, to revert back into places of bondage? What Paul says is that those of us who believe have actually received a spirit of adoption, that we don't need to go back into fear, that we've actually been told by God that we've been adopted. So we're not slaves. We're children who've been adopted into God's house. That spirit of adoption is one of the most beautiful images in the whole of the Bible, in my opinion, because it speaks to this true identity that I once was a slave to my sin. I once was a slave to to unhelpful thinking and regressive living, but now I've been invited to walk out of slavery and to be welcomed into God's household. So I want you to try to think about this idea of slavery and adoption So Paul's not saying just that we were orphans who've been adopted. I think he's trying to get us to see a more powerful connection. Imagine a slave being adopted. So not just an orphan, but a slave, someone who had not had volition, who had lived in a compulsive way, who had lived under um, tyranny, who's now being invited to be a daughter in a household. It would be very tempting for a former slave to regress in their thinking, because slaves have good reasons to be afraid. And many of us right now think, well, I have really good reasons to be afraid. There's so much uncertainty around my health, around the health of loved ones around me. There's uncertainty around the economy, what's gonna happen next, the real threat of isolation in our own hearts right now. These things are real threats. And we have good reason, frankly, in our flesh to be afraid, to even live in regressive thinking. And yet the Holy Spirit reminds us in the midst of uncertainty that we are children who have been adopted into God's house, that we may formerly have lived as slaves. We may have lived with a kind of way of thinking and behaving and relating to the world that was regressive. And yet God says, by the work of the Holy Spirit, I remind you that you are now a daughter, a son who lives in my house. And I need to hear this every day right now. I found myself saying over and over again to myself, I am a child in God's house. Therefore, I do not need to be afraid. And I'm going to be very transparent with you on a daily basis. I feel a compulsion toward fear, toward anxiety, uh, toward trying to do more than I could, can do, or really should do. And to me, the Lord says, remember that you are a child in my house. And I'm going to tell you one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit right now, if we will let the Holy Spirit work in our lives is to remind us that we are safe in God's house and that we're children, not slaves. Y'all, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our fear, and the Holy Spirit says to us, fear does not have to own us. It doesn't have to have the last word. It doesn't have to control our posture, our decisions, our attitude. Fear does not have to drive us toward regressive behavior in our flesh where we're being compelled and forced like slaves. The Holy Spirit says, no, we're daughters, we're sons, and there is a place for daughters and sons to stand even when they're afraid even when they're feeling bombarded by uncertainty. And Paul begins to build the argument. He says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we're children of God. The Spirit tells us that we belong to God and therefore we're able to trust him. And then Paul gets clear about our job, our response. And this is the third movement in our passage today. We must learn to cry, Abba, Father. We're not just called to think God, you're our father, you're our daddy. There's a call for response. And I just want to be very clear about this. I believe that right now, for those of us who belong to the Lord, the Lord is calling us to respond by saying out loud, God, you are my father. God, you are my dad. God, I am not an orphan. God, I am not a slave. By us speaking and verbalizing our trust in God, despite the fact that we feel afraid, I believe this gives us a place to stand, a place to be. Y'all, we have to get this thinking out of our heads. The Holy Spirit actually invites us to verbalize the fact that we belong, that we're not alone. Because if we're not careful, we're gonna start living like we're alone, like it's all up to us. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to work with us, to empower us, to verbalize, God, you are my dad, God, you are my father. So what does this mean? What does it mean for God to be our dad, our father, If I'm a child, it means certain things, and Paul makes it very clear, and this is the fourth movement, the final movement in our passage, um, and, and that's this. God's children, you, if you belong to him, are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. The resources of the house belong to us. That's what Paul is saying. We are inheritors. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are going to inherit the riches of God's household, And when we live in times of uncertainty, when we face grief and fear and pain, we are reminded by the Holy Spirit that we are God's children and therefore that which belongs to God also belongs to us. One of the words used to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in the Greek language is Erebon. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the writers say that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that sets itself like a seal on, on our hearts. And that word for guarantee is Erebon, which means deposit or guarantee. And if you were to go to Greece today, uh, an engagement ring would be called an Erebon, which is a a sign of a future reality. So if a person puts an engagement ring on a young woman's um, hand, uh, it's a sign of a future reality. We're not yet married, but we will be married. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee, a sign of a future reality. And as God is trying to remind all of us that we are heirs of God and of Jesus and join heirs with Jesus, I believe that the Lord is saying to us, um, what is mine is yours. So act like that's true. And for me, one of the great reminders in my own life with God is that I'm able to have a dignified response to suffering and fear and uncertainty because that which is God's belongs to me. He's given me access to grace. He's given me access to peace. He's given me access to truth. And I believe that's true for all of us. And I don't find it coincidental, actually, that Paul um, ends uh, this passage by speaking to us about suffering. He essentially says if we follow Jesus where he goes, he will occasionally go down roads of suffering and roads of glorification. And I believe that right now we're all being invited to follow Jesus down some dark roads. Uh, We've had people in our church lose people that they love to the coronavirus already. So this is hitting closer and closer to home for us. And I just want to say to you that when you walk down roads of suffering, Jesus is there with you. The suffering of Jesus on the cross actually reminds us that God is not aloof from our suffering. He's not aloof from our pain. That God is somehow one who goes first. And what he does is he invites us to follow him. Y'all, uncertainty... And even darkness, if we'll let it, can actually carve out deep places in our souls, in our hearts. But we have to actually look for God in those places of darkness. And right now, maybe one of the best invitations in front of all of us is to say, Jesus, help me to follow you even when I feel I'm walking down dark and uncertain pathways. See, hiding from hurt does us no good. It doesn't change reality. The reality is we're all facing darkness and pain Running from it doesn't make it less real or less inevitable. And I believe that in the days and weeks and months to come, um, pain and hurt is going to come closer to all of us in one way or another. And so now is an opportunity for us to say, Jesus, would you show us that when, you, when, you, um, when we walk down dark roads, that you will be there with us, that you will somehow have gone first. And for me, what that does is it helps me identify with Jesus in uncertain places It helps me to go where I need to go knowing that he will be there with me. And I want to say that to you. Wherever it is that you have to go, God is going to be there with you. That's a promise from him. Psalm 139 verse 12 is actually one of my favorites right now in the moment because it feels so relevant, so meaningful. David writes this in verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light to you. Here's what that means. I believe David is saying something really significant there, both something explicit and something implied. What he's saying is darkness is not dark to God, but he's implying darkness is dark to him. And I think this is really important for us to recognize. God can see in the dark. I can't see in the dark. You can't. And many of us right now are facing darkness. All of us are. And when we're in the darkness, we can't see But what David is reminding us of is that God can. And so when I feel lost, God's not lost. I'm lost. I feel disoriented. So we have to find our way through. Here's a a trick, I guess, I've been using lately. So I had this mason jar, and um, I've had this for years, Karen and I have, and it's full of some water from my tap and some dirt from my yard. And this mason jar for me and for Karen reminds us of life. The, the longer I leave it alone, the clearer this water gets. It jostled a little bit as I was getting it ready for today. And when I face seasons of uncertainty, I take this mason jar and I shake it up. And it reminds me that that which was clear a few minutes ago now is not clear. And this is the way chaos is. This is the way crisis is. Life goes from clear to super muddy and murky in an instant. And this is what we're living right now. We're living in the darkness of chaos and uncertainty. And I walk past this jar when I feel chaos in my heart and I just shake it up. And it reminds me, number one, don't make huge decisions when you can't see your hand in front of your face. What's the best way for this water to clarify? Let it sit still. And right now we're in a season of constant tumult. But at some point, the sediment will start to settle. And in my own house, I put this jar on a shelf and I walk past it every few days and I recognize things do get more clear. I'm gonna tell you things for us, even in a liminal space like this one that we're in with social distancing and isolation, we will begin to find new rhythms that will start to feel more clear. But until we get there, we're in the dark. And I would say the Lord would say through our brother David, darkness is not dark to God, but it is to you. And so acknowledge the darkness around you. Don't pretend that things aren't dark. Just pretend, or actually stop pretending, um, and acknowledge that God can see in the dark even when I can't. I want to read to you a story before we finish. Um, I take comfort in seasons like this uh, from fiction. And so The Horse and His Boy, C.S. Lewis, um, I, I had my mind drawn to a story about a boy named Shasta in this book. And if you're familiar with the story, uh, Shasta is in a tough spot at the point that I'm about to pick up the story. He's uh, feeling afraid and alone. Um, He's wondering whether he's going to make it. And he ends up at a place of death, um, these tombs at night. And he's all by himself as a boy. And he just feels so scared. And and I'm going to read based on where he is in those tombs. He says, Ow, ow, help. He shouted suddenly, for at that very moment he felt something in the darkness of the tombs. He felt something touch his leg. I don't think anyone can be blamed for shouting if something comes up from behind and touches him, not in a place such as this, at a time such as this, when he was frightened already. Shasta, at any rate, was too frightened to run. And some of us feel that way. I'm too scared to even run. Anything would be better than being chased around and around the burial place of the ancient kings with something he dared not look at behind him. "'Instead, what he did was really the most sensible thing he could do. "'He looked around, and his heart almost burst with relief. "'What had touched him was only a cat. "'The light was too bad now for Shasta to see much of the cat, "'except that it was big and very solemn. "'It looked like it might have lived a long time, "'long years among the tombs alone. "'Its eyes made you think it knew secrets. "'It would not tell. "Aw, pussy, pussy cat,' said Shasta.' I suppose you're not a talking cat. The cat stared at him harder than ever. And then it started walking away. And of course, Shasta followed it. It led him right through the tombs and out on the desert side of them. There it sat down bolt upright with its tail curled around its feet and its face toward the desert and toward Narnia and the north. As still as if it were watching for some enemy. Shasta lay down beside it with his back against the cat and his face toward the tombs. Because if one is nervous, there's nothing like having your face toward the danger and having something warm and solid at your back. I'm going to read that last sentence again because it just (laughs) stirs something so powerful in my heart. Because if one is nervous, there's nothing like having your face toward the danger and having something warm and solid at your back. I believe the Lord is asking people like you and me to put our face toward the danger, to not live in denial, to recognize when we can't see that we just can't see. But he's asking us to recognize that God, that cat, that Aslan cat, Jesus, is warm and solid, and he's got our backs. And so what we have to do is learn to lean on him as we try to do the best that we can. And I believe the Lord is asking us to do just that. The Holy Spirit wants to remind you that you are not a slave. Friend, you're a child, a daughter, a son of Jesus, our King. We've been brought into God's household. And I believe that now more than ever, there is power and an invitation for us to act like we're free men and women, even as we face the darkness. Here's where we're going to end it today. We as your pastors want to be present to you pastors and leaders. So we would encourage you to visit our newly designed website for information on ways to connect with us throughout the week. There are going to be opportunities for short check-ins to chat with a leader or a pastor for just a few minutes or to have longer check-ins through some pastoral office hours that we're going to be setting up through various digital platforms. Please visit our website because we love you. We're praying for you. Y'all, we're the family of God, even in a season of remarkable uncertainty. And now we're going to do something we tend to do at Trinity. Um, And I'm, I'm not going to do it because if I do, you're only going to see my stomach because if I stand up right now, I'll be out of this screen, so I apologize. But if you are able, let's stand together. And I know it feels weird, but in your living room, if you can, let's just stand together. If you're walking and listening to this via podcast, You're already standing, so just keep doing what you're doing. And now, I would love it if we would pray the words of the Lord's Prayer together before we uh, say a prayer and sign off. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Be the hands and feet of Jesus to people around you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast. To hear the services in their entirety, which would include Scripture readings as well as the music, or to learn more information about Trinity, you can visit us at atltrinity.org. God bless.